The COVID-19 pandemic has had a major effect on all our lives. Many of us are facing challenges that can be stressful, overwhelming, and cause strong emotions in adults and children alike. Public health actions such as social distancing are necessary to reduce the spread of COVID-19, but they can make us feel isolated and lonely and can increase stress and anxiety. In this episode of the Niyamat podcast, we invited Mind A therapists to talk to us about learning to cope with stress in a healthy way that will make you, the people you care about, and those around you become more resilient. Hello everyone and uh, thank you for tuning in to the Niyamat podcast and today we have an incredibly special episode with Shabosti and Mansi from Mind A Therapists and uh, it's so good to have you here and we're so excited for all the uh, wonderful wisdom that you're going to share with us and today's topic of discussion is going to be something that's very relevant to the current times which is anxiety and uh, let's just start with like the very basic question what is anxiety? First of all, thank you so much for inviting us to this platform. And yeah. I don't know about enlightening, but we definitely want to, you know, shed light on something I feel everyone is experiencing in this pandemic, with the pandemic spanning over two years almost. So uh, this is me, Shrabosti. I'm a therapist with Minded Therapist. And um, Mansi, she's a clinical psychologist with Minded Therapist. So... Your question was, what is anxiety? So let's first understand this, that anxiety is very similar to fear. There's a difference though. Fear is an emotional response to danger that can be seen. Anxiety is an emotional response to danger that cannot be seen or perceived danger. Um, Another thing is that it's also an anticipation of a future threat. Now, anxiety as an emotion has gotten a very bad name. Everyone is scared of anxiety and you know everyone looks at it as if it's such a bad thing to have, but we don't realize that it's also a survival instinct. It plays a role in our lives and every emotion for that matter plays a role. You know, For example, happiness, it teaches us the colors of life. Sadness teaches us how to appreciate happiness. Uh, We have anger, which teaches us how to stand up for ourselves. Similarly, anxiety teaches us that, hey, there could be a danger around you. Let's just be a little more alert. So it's a very normal emotion, nothing to be afraid of. Um, Now, the thing is, with um, anxiety, we also need to understand what are the symptoms that come across, you know, that we go through with anxiety. And often we feel like anxiety is only just emotional But it's not like that. We feel it physically as well. Uh, So today we are going to just talk a little about the three kinds of symptoms. We have our emotional, our cognitive and our physiological. So what's that emotional? Uh, The emotional symptoms are often general worry, dread, um, feeling scared, petrified. So these are emotional. Cognitive will include your thoughts constantly overthinking this vicious cycle. We also call that rumination. Uh, There are certain things we do, for example, fortune telling, you know, where we predict our future and we think about the worst thing that can happen. Um, Another thing is reading minds, you know, where like, okay, is this what this person meant or that person meant? 
jumping to conclusions. So these are the cognitive part of anxiety. And then we have a physiological part, which is your palpitation, your you know, stomach pain, diarrhea, your shaking, trembling, shortness of breath, um, headache, people get headache as well, nauseous. So we have all of these that uh, is part of anxiety. To actually understand what anxiety is, one line I think would be enough. It is an underestimation of our capability and an overestimation of the threat. So that is basically anxiety. I hope that gives some information. Yeah, definitely. And I love that last line that you said, it's an underestimation uh, of our own ability and uh, an overestimation of the threat. I think that's very beautiful. And uh, I think it uh, is a beautiful summary of the human mind and the way that it reacts and responds to its environment. And I think uh, a lot of us are also curious about the science behind this. So, you know, with a lot of physical injuries or physical illnesses, there's often like a cause, like you can say that there's a virus or there is like some sort of external environment that is going to create a certain change in our body. And then that's going to result in some sort of injury or some sort of illness. So what are the sort of neurochemical changes or something that our body goes through when it's experiencing anxiety? Uh, so I think uh, what Shrabosti just told us about anxiety is that uh, it is like an anticipation of a you know future threat or when we perceive something as threatening or scary. Um, so whenever something like this happens, um, so there is an area in our brain uh, which controls or kind of processes uh, our emotions. Um, so that area is located in the center of the brain in the limbic system that is called the amygdala. Uh, now, it is a very small part of the brain, but it controls all the emotions that we experience and uh, especially controls fear and anxiety. Um, so whenever we experience something like stressful or something anxiety provoking, this amygdala becomes active and it sends a distress signal to another area of the brain called the hypothalamus. So hypothalamus is like a command center. So which communicates, you know, through uh, two different parts of the body um, through this uh, system called the autonomic nervous system. So again, hypothalamus activates this autonomic nervous system. And what this autonomic nervous system controls is all the involuntary mechanisms of the body. So like your breathing or your heart rate or uh, your, um, you know, uh, uh, like basically the, you know, how fast your heart is beating or um, all the involuntary mechanisms of your body. So whenever this uh, system gets activated, uh, there are two parts to this system. So one is the sympathetic nervous system and another is parasympathetic nervous system. So whenever we are anxious, it is the sympathetic nervous system that responds. So we can imagine that you know this sympathetic nervous system is like an accelerator on the car. So uh, when it is active, it just immediately releases this hormone in the bloodstream called uh, epinephrine or like it is also known as adrenaline. So, you know, we feel that when we are anxious, our heart starts, you know, pumping faster or we uh, breathe heavily uh, or we might start sweating or our pupils dilate um, or more blood flow is there in our uh, extremities like our limbs. 
so it happens because it's like your body is preparing you to deal with the danger that is you know you're perceiving or that is in front of you um so uh, this is basically your body's way of helping you out right so when there is sympathetic arousal this happens and this adrenaline causes you to uh, feel all the physical symptoms that you feel when you're scared um and uh, there is a second mechanism that also happens so slowly when the adrenaline levels go down uh, there is another thing which your brain does is uh, activating the uh, hpa axis so again that is called the hypothalamus pituitary gland and adrenal axis uh, without getting into like too much of technicalities but basically this uh, releases cortisol so again you know when uh, sometimes the threat or the danger is short term right uh, sometimes it can be like a long term stress so for that you need to be alert for a long time so cortisol is something that helps you to maintain that state of alertness for a long time um and then when slowly uh, you know your threat goes away um, then what happens is your parasympathetic nervous system takes over and you can say that you know that system is like a a break so when that becomes active you are able to come down to a state of you know calmness and uh, it basically helps you to just rest and digest um so this is how you know your body is reacting uh, whenever you are faced with uh, an anxiety provoking situation thank you so much for that mansi definitely i think uh, that's really insightful in today's world and especially in today's times what sort of factors do you think can contribute to anxiety as a mental illness so with the ongoing pandemic all of that taking into account we also have to remember that there's like a baseline theory to anxiety which is known as your biopsychosocial theory now this theory has three parts your biological your psychological and your social so what is your biological it's basically having a gene or a predisposition towards anxiety so you do have it running in your family and it's part of you it doesn't have to be something activated but it's part of you that's your biological then you have your psychological now your psychological could be personality traits the kind of person you are different people experience anxiety in different ways in different degrees and extent so initially it was also kind of known that it's say for example if you're a little more shy or more self conscious or you do experience a lot more of uh, mood swings or you do react to more of emotional uh, negative emotions or negative experiences then you know you might have a tendency towards anxiety more than the other but that being said i feel and i'm sure even manthi agrees practically everybody is experiencing anxiety right now coming back to how you spoke about the pandemic that's one of those factors we none of us as human beings at least in this generation we were not equipped to handle a pandemic we were not taught how to we didn't know what it even entails for example if you think about how pandemic when it started and it was locked down and work from home everyone was excited it was such a novel idea and people were trying out new different techniques making coffee and bread but we didn't realize the long term effect of that and when you have stress that is going on for so long it's bound to have an impact on you as a as your body and you 
mentally it's bound to happen another thing is our access to information has increased so much now uh, back in the day if suppose you're done with work you're done with work right you are not really contacted by a boss or you know contacted by clients or anything post a period of time but now it's 24/7 your phone is buzzing 24/7 you're connected 24/7 you can sit here and know what is happening at the end of the world so what's happening is that we have trauma happening back to back with us that is also something that we cannot handle after a long period of time so if you talk about factors we have a lot of factors right now especially in this pandemic definitely and let's not forget uncertainty this is not even just uncertainty about one factor you know you're you're uncertain about health about your job about food basic necessities about growth relationships so many thing at this point so yeah these are a lot of factors we're facing thank you so much for uh, sending out that message i think it's super important and um... there are actually several types of anxiety disorders so um please tell us more about that um yes absolutely so as you said you know uh, we generally feel that uh, anxiety is uh, something that you know um, basically first of all like anxiety is a normal emotion that all of us experience from time to time but yes a lot of people are not aware that you know someone can experience anxiety in such a degree that that can cause them a lot of distress or lot of disturbance in their life so again when this happens uh, we you know kind of uh, like describe it as a diagnosable disorder um so uh, so just a disclaimer before we get into that that uh, i am going to talk about these types of anxiety disorders just as you know to give you an information uh, give you some information about it uh, but uh, i and even if you are like those you are who are listening if they are able to relate to some of the symptoms and of course i think uh, we will be able to relate to some of the symptoms but please don't get into the you know self diagnosing mode uh, if you think that you know you might be having some of these symptoms then please seek help uh, from a professional without you know getting into that uh, diagnosing yourself because again that can increase your anxiety instead of you know helping you uh, to overcome it um now getting into the types of anxiety disorders so first of all i would like to talk talk about the most common ones first uh, and then i'd like then i'll come to the less common ones um so the first one is the generalized anxiety disorder so again uh, again it's also known as gad so this is diagnosed when a person is experiencing persistent worry and anxiety about different areas of their lives so it can be their work their school their relationship so there is a lot of uh, you know persistent tendency to worry about these things now uh, they it can also cause them a lot of uh, physiological distress as well so it can be like uh, feeling restless um, having some uh, aches and pains in their body or palpitations uh, breathlessness and um, this is diagnosed when these symptoms are so distressing that it is difficult for that person to function on a day to day basis and uh when they are uh, present for more than 6 months uh after that we come to panic disorder 
Now, again, this is very commonly uh, seen and uh, panic disorder is diagnosed when a person is experiencing recurrent panic attacks. Uh, now, here I want to differentiate between, you know, a panic attack and normal, like uh, just anxiety, because a lot of people do tend to get confused between the two. Um, so what is a panic attack? Panic attack is when a person experiences a sudden surge of, uh, you know, anxiety uh, along with some physiological symptoms, uh, which tend to appear abruptly. So, you know, they, they can happen randomly anywhere without any trigger. Uh, and that is the scary part about uh, the panic disorder. So uh, what are the symptoms that the person experiences? It can be, again, pounding heart, uh, breathlessness, uh, feeling nauseating, feeling like, you know, I am choking, uh, feeling like I'm going crazy, or feeling like I might lose control, feeling like I'm going to die. So a lot of times, a panic attack mimics the symptoms of, you know, a heart attack. So a lot of people, because of that, they get very scared that what is happening to me, right? Um, so usually the panic attack, uh, like the panic come or the anxiety comes down within 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and again, uh, when these attacks are happening recurrently, like again and again, that, that is when we diagnose uh, panic disorder. And general anxiety is, uh, it will not happen like suddenly. Usually there is a trigger. And the symptoms are not so severe as they are in a panic attack. And uh, the anxiety might, um, you know, last like longer than a panic. Like it can be more continuous. Whereas a panic attack will be just more like uh, last for just 20 to 30 minutes. Right. Um, now coming to another common uh, anxiety disorder that is social anxiety or social phobia. Uh, so again, this is. Uh, and a very important uh, like disorder because it's the most commonly seen uh, anxiety disorder. Um, so what is social anxiety? Again, it is a, a fear, a persistent fear of being negatively judged or negatively evaluated by other people. So when uh, this happens, the person may feel very anxious or self-conscious in social situations, ranging from like, simply just um, talking on the phone to a stranger to ordering a coffee at a restaurant. So, you know, even simple situations that we uh, go through in day-to-day -day life can be very difficult for a person with social anxiety. And because of that, what happens is they start fearing, um, like if they, uh, you know, if um, basically they start fearing that what if I mess up or what if I make a mistake? What if someone makes fun of me? So they start avoiding social situations. So uh, this is what happens in social anxiety. Um, and again, uh, that can also, um, if a person has it for a long time, it can also cause like secondary depressive symptoms as well. Um, now coming to the next one, which is specific phobia. Uh, so, uh, like generalized anxiety, we saw that, you know, the anxiety can be about like multiple things, but in specific phobia, the fear is specific to a particular situation or a particular trigger. Um, and like, for example, arachnophobia is a fear of spiders, right? So the person is 
like scared of very specific stimulus and they tend to then because they fear it so much they avoid it completely um and another common one is i think uh, you would like to talk about is agoraphobia uh, so agoraphobia is a disorder or it it's like a fear which might coexist with panic attacks or panic disorder so agoraphobia is like a, a very intense fear of uh, being in open spaces or using public transport or being in public places so they, when a person has agoraphobia they tend to you know just confine themselves within their house and they are very scared of going out and uh, when a person has panic attacks they tend to avoid going to places where they had a panic attack previously so that is how both of them can you know coexist um now uh, another common one i think uh, is uh, less common one sorry uh, selective mutism and uh, separation anxiety disorder so uh, selective mutism is very commonly seen in children uh, and it it means that uh, the child or the person uh, might you know not speak in specific social situations where they are expected to speak uh like not speaking in class or something like that and but they they tend to speak in other situations so selectively they avoid speaking in certain situations and lastly separation anxiety disorder again it is a very intense fear of separation from their uh from a person's primary caregiver or attachment figure like a parent or someone they are close to so again this can be seen in children and adults both um so i think to summarize uh, there are like various types of anxiety disorders and i think i almost forgot to mention um ptsd so post traumatic stress disorder is another very important uh, disorder uh, which is characterized by uh, like it is usually uh, usually happens or gets triggered by when a person goes through a trauma um and after that traumatic experience they might have uh, intense flashbacks uh, or nightmares or anxiety difficulty sleeping insomnia all these symptoms uh, can happen in ptsd um so yeah so to summarize there are different types of anxiety disorders and um, again uh, they differ in their symptoms and their duration and uh, if you think that you can relate to some of these symptoms then please uh, you know talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist before you uh, you know uh, jump to a conclusion about it so i hope that answers your question yeah definitely that was really informative and i think uh, it's so subtle these behavioral differences especially in indian society definitely there are a lot of steps that society can take to educate themselves and make themselves aware that hey you don't know what the other person is going through so maybe it's not a bad idea to just be kind that is where society at large if, if they understand the kind of impact that uh, experiencing anxiety has on a person maybe they would try to be more kind and more gentle and that is definitely the kind of love that we need to share right now more than ever i i would just like to add something to what you just said uh, so i think you're absolutely right like people do have uh, you know a sense of like a tendency to judge 
very quickly and uh, specifically to people who experience or struggle with anxiety people tend to perceive them as rude or you know uh, something like that they don't want to especially especially people who have uh, social anxiety people might say or uh, judge them as rude or you know uh, look at them as you know they or uh, just don't want to participate or, or something like that uh, but i think before getting into that judgment it's important to just give that person a chance or you know actually ask them what are they going through or uh, have that kind of a uh, like kindness in you to like uh, not you know completely like jump to a conclusion about someone without knowing their story or without knowing what they're going through absolutely yeah absolutely i think that is so important and the absolute need of the hour uh, so yeah thank you so much for saying that and uh, i think that's a brilliant segue into the next question which is uh, what are some of the remedies for anxiety so like you said one definitely we can work on just becoming a more mature and kind society and just uh, be empathetic towards everyone but i'm sure that there are like uh, uh, definitely a lot more steps that uh, one can take uh, in order to deal with their anxiety in a better way whether that's seeking professional help or any sort of medication so um yeah what sort of uh, cures or treatments are there for uh, the various kinds of anxiety disorders that you mentioned so adding to something that both of you said this is where even i feel like pandemic has shed light on how underrated the importance of mental health is like we have not really put so much of importance or we we don't talk about it or we wouldn't talk about it back in the day and now i have at least um, also noticed that every generation in their own way they are coming out and they're talking about it they're addressing it so this is something that we have understood that okay mental health actually matters especially when we are going through so much of turmoil um it is also something that we need to acknowledge that mental health toolkits or resources are not available to everyone because there are still a lot of sectors that are battling with the taboo attached to mental health um not having any you know source of income or source of time as well where they can dedicate to mental health so we need to also understand that and maybe i'm hoping that the few tips and tools that we do talk about can cater to everyone belonging to every region or whichever you know section of the society that they are in so having said that let's look at the tools one of the things we need to understand about anxiety is the fact that it's a vicious cycle and um the more anxious we are we tend to avoid things because it leads to anxiety right so that's your survival instincts to avoid it the only problem is for short term it relieves us it makes us feel better but long term it affects us it affects us from our goals from lost opportunities from a lot of these things that are important so understanding the short term benefit and the long term loss is very important about anxiety and the fact that when we avoid because we are anxious it becomes a cycle it's maintained throughout the years and the more it's maintained the harder it gets to break now how do you uh, break this maintenance mansi spoke about 
the science of body anxiety, right? The sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, basically sympathetic nervous system is activated. And in order to handle ourselves and our anxiousness, we need to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. What does it do? It basically calms us down. So that's the whole goal is how to calm ourselves down because we are on survival instinct. So one of the uh, first things that you can try to do is known as diaphragmatic breathing. So this is something I'm sure a lot of people must have also heard of. And we have it a lot in our culture as well, right? In terms of yoga or meditation, a lot of these places you'll notice that we do talk about breathing. And it's actually important. Why? Because it helps calm our nerves down. Now, how do you do this? Uh, one of the techniques that you can use is where you breathe in for four seconds. You hold it for, say, two or four seconds. And then you breathe out. But this time you breathe out through your mouth and for six seconds. Another thing that you can add to this is that when you're breathing out, you use a coping statement. For example, I'm safe right now. I have me. Hey, it's okay. You know, something that is more natural to you and not like an automatic answer, but a natural statement. So that when you body that you're safe and you're calm and it's okay, whatever it is will pass. Another thing you can do while you're doing this diaphragmatic breathing is you can use your right hand on your chest and your left hand on your belly. And you can, while you're breathing in and out, you follow along with the way your body moves. So that's one of the things. Second thing you can do, it's known as your circle of concern and your circle of control. A lot of times with anxiousness, we feel like we're not in control, right? And what happens with anxiousness is that uh, when you're not in control it sort of becomes bigger right you get scared way more so we have to remind ourselves that as human beings we are mere mortals so there are things that are in our control but there are a lot of things that are not and to know that so here how do you do your circle of control and circle of concern first you'll write circle of concern and you make a circle and then you jot down what are the things that fall in your concern so for example family career, um, maybe health, goals, anything like that. And then in those sectors, you write down, okay, what are the things that need to be done or can be done? For example, if it's family, taking care of family, being there for them or spending quality time with them. Next, you draw a circle of uh, control. So this is basically what falls in your control what doesn't fall in your control an example say for family would be reminding them to take their meds after that that part is not in your control right or knowing for sure if they're going to be healthy or not even that part is not going to be in your control so having that distinction of what is in your control example like something you said right like how the aunt if suppose your relatives are commenting about how you look a lot of times, and especially when you're younger, we are taught not to talk back, right? So, But how do we stop it from affecting us or impacting us to a degree that we do not live up to our potential? This is where your sense of control comes in. So I cannot control what these words are being told to me, but I can control the importance or the value I assign to those words. So having that sort of clear distinction gives you an idea of what can you invest your time and energy on and what you cannot. And this can be applied even for, say, you're applying for jobs or for presentation or for 
education, wherever you are applying, applying is in your control, but the result of that is not. Choosing whether or not you're selected is not, right? So knowing that distinction, that's the second thing. Third is something uh, that we do refer to our clients, we do ask them to do, which is writing a letter. So you're writing a letter when you're feeling, say, a little more confident or a little more calm, you write a letter to yourself addressing yourself when you're going through your anxiousness. So it could be generally when you do feel anxious in your day, or it could be addressed to say before a job interview, before a presentation, before any big event, so that you have, you know, and add something addressed to you to kind of calm your senses and to give you that strength and that support you might not receive from anywhere else. That's your letter. Uh, another fourth thing that you can do is using your senses. So this we call grounding. Now, if we go back in our classes, we've learned about the five senses we have. So with your eyes, you have your vision. With the nose, you have your smell. With the mouth, with the tongue, you have your taste. Uh, with your hand, you have your touch. And with the ears, you have your hearing or your listening skills. So a lot of times when you're anxious and you're uncertain about a lot of things, Grounding you and getting you back to the present is very important. Also, why is it important? It gives you that break that you need to go and fight your battles. Because you can't always be on your toes, right? That's detrimental to your health, right? So just bringing you back to get that break. Now, how do you do that? Example, if you like cooking, a lot of people love doing that. It's a great stress buster, right? So what do you do? You use your five senses while you're cooking in order to ground yourself. Example, you're looking at the food that you're cooking. You can smell the aroma of it. You can hear the way it sounds or the whistle of the pressure cooker, how it sounds. Even the way when you're, you know, uh, turning around your vegetables, how does it feel? So you're using, oh, and also tasting it. So you're using all your senses to ground you. That you can do and that you can perform any time of your day with your mundane tasks, drinking tea, going for a walk, anything. Um, one more thing you can do is, and this I think we need to be a little mindful about, is that when you're feeling anxiousness, you do not have to react to it or don't have to chase it. In the sense, if I'm feeling anxious, a lot of times we start feeding into it, right? It spirals, our rumination or our overthinking spirals. And then you're like, okay, what if this happens? And this happens, and this happens, and this happens. So we're sort of chasing that, that's happening so you don't have to always chase it it's more like okay yeah i'm anxious okay so you're acknowledging it you're labeling it but you're not involved in it or chasing it why this is important is because anxiousness is not always at a peak like every other emotion be that happiness sadness whatever you're experiencing it's not always at a peak it does fall that's the curve of your emotion that way your anxiety will fall down and we need to remind ourselves of that. So even when you're experiencing it, tell yourself, okay, this is not going to last. It's 20, 30 minutes. It's going to pass. It will pass. It will pass. That also gives you a sense of control of, okay, you know what? It's going to be normal after a while. So that's also something you can do. Just a, just a bonus that you can do. And I think that's one of the first things we should do is just identifying your triggers. What triggers you? Because... First, recognizing that itself kind of clarifies it. You know, it makes it more clear and more normal and human and 
makes you feel a little more in control. So first identify it. But identifying a trigger doesn't mean running from it. Don't run from it. Because like we said, the vicious cycle, the more you avoid just because of anxiety, the more it um, continues. I'm sure Mansi has more points that she can add to this as well. Yeah. Um, so I think I would like to talk about uh, two things that, you know, you can learn from a professional or uh, two techniques uh, and some techniques which you can of course practice on your own um, so the first uh, and very important one when it comes to anxiety is jpmr uh, so that is jacobson's progressive muscular relaxation uh, so here the term muscular relaxation is important so the theory behind this is that you know when we are anxious when we are stressed our entire body, like we can feel the tension in our body as well, right? Like some people might feel that my neck feels stiff or, you know, my jaw feels a little uh, stiff. So usually we hold that tension in our muscles. Um, And uh, we have like, uh, we know that, you know, body works, our brain and body works in a feedback loop. So, Whenever we are uh, anxious, our brain sends a signal to our muscles to, you know, like be prepared. That is why we have the tension. But when we like deliberately relax our muscles, that sends a signal back to the brain that, you know, it's okay. Like we are fine and there is no need to be tensed anymore. So the brain also understand that it's okay. Like no need to, you know, uh, continue feeling tensed. So this is the theory behind muscular relaxation. So in this process, what we basically teach the clients or teach the person is to deliberately focus on specific muscle groups and uh, tense a muscle and then relax it. Uh, So like basically you're tensing it for five seconds and then relaxing for 10 seconds and noticing the difference between how it feels Like, for example, if I tell you to tense your, like, make a fist with your hand, right? So now I'm tensing it. So I feel the tension in it. So the idea is to notice where you feel the tension. And then when you release it slowly, how does it feel when it's relaxed? So what this does is this helps the person understand the difference between when, because most of us are not aware that this is happening, Right. Um, Another interesting part is that when we are anxious, you will notice that your tongue is touching, you know, your um, like the upper part of your mouth. So, again, uh, that is another response which uh, which tells us that I'm not relaxed. I'm tensed. Um, So I would suggest that it's better if you learn this from a professional first. And then you can practice it on your own. This also helps um, in. Like if you're having sleep problems, uh, which is another symptom of anxiety. So this can help you sleep better. Um, So yeah, so that is about JPMR. Um, The second technique that I would like to talk about is uh, autogenic training. So again, this uh, usually is taught, uh, you know, in therapy. Uh, So it's better if you learn it from a therapist or a professional. So what do we do in autogenic training? Um, is that we again take specific body parts so the for example we focus on our both hands and we use two uh, sensations so one is a sensation of heaviness and one is a sensation of uh, warmth 
So what we repeat to ourselves is like, my arms are heavy, my arms are heavy, or my arms are warm. So what we are trying to do is we are trying to induce a, you know, state of relaxation when we are calm, we are okay. Um, and we are focusing on that uh, specific sensation. And then in the end, we repeat to ourselves that I am completely calm. So we do this with specific body parts and then we end with deep breathing. Uh, so again, this technique, when you practice it, it helps you uh, to calm down and it reduces your anxiety. Uh, the third technique is um, something that, you know, uh, has been researched a lot lately. Uh, that is called the physiological sigh. Um, so what does that mean? So basically, when we are, uh, like, I think Shraboski mentioned that, you know, we use diaphragmatic breathing. So basically, what happens is when we are tensed, we breathe shallow and we breathe from the chest. So this doesn't allow a lot of oxygen inside and that again doesn't help. So when we do uh, the physiological sigh, we take two inhales followed by a deep longer exhale. So the more, uh, the longer your exhale is, your heart rate will slow down and you will feel calmer. Um, so and we take two inhales because that allows more oxygen in and we do that through our belly. So something like this. So this immediately helps you to calm down, right? So this is again something that has been researched a lot uh, and something that can help you. Uh, now, lastly, I want to talk about um, an important component uh, so two, two important components of anxiety. So one is uh, your thoughts. Uh, so whenever you're anxious, a lot of us will notice that there are a lot of racing thoughts. Uh, and these racing thoughts are characterized by, you know, what if. So this what if uh, thought is something that makes us even more scared. So what if something goes wrong? What if I mess up? What if people make fun of me? Um, you know, so all these thoughts, is, we call this um, catastrophizing in psychology. So catastrophizing means like assuming that something worse is going to happen, right? Um, and again, like how Shraboshti mentioned that we tend to predict the future, uh, but here we are predicting it in a bad way or in a negative way and which uh, hasn't even happened, but it makes us feel scared. So um, what you can do, uh, is that instead of just believing that, you know, these thoughts are true, because most of them are not. Uh, so one important thing you can tell yourself or you can remind yourself is thoughts are not facts. They are just thoughts. And sometimes when we are scared, we might get scary thoughts, but that they, they are not necessarily true. Uh, they don't, they might not have, you know, um, a lot of truth in them. Um, so instead of just believing that something bad is going to happen just because your mind is telling you, um, what you can do is try and challenge these thoughts. So first of all, like you can ask yourself, okay, what am I fearing? What exactly will happen? What is my exact fear? Um, and the more specific you are about it, the better it is. So maybe my specific fear is that I'm going to make a mistake, you know, while giving my presentation. Uh, now you can challenge this thought by asking, okay, how many times have I done that? Or, uh, you know, 
uh, how many people have done that in front of me and do i think of them as stupid or i consider it as it can happen to anyone it's just a mistake uh, what can i do to help myself what can i do to cope so i think the earlier um, kind of uh, way we described anxiety that it's underestimation of our capacity so when we ask ourselves this question that what can i do about it how do i cope this helps us to tap into our abilities and makes us feel a little more confident instead of you know um, just uh, thinking that what will i do what will i do or what will happen uh, so so long story short don't believe your uh, you know scary thoughts immediately just remind yourself that they are not facts and try to challenge them um and lastly uh, like you know how when we are anxious about something we tend to avoid it um so instead of avoiding things or uh, basically like for example if uh, someone uh, who is scared of like giving presentations maybe that is what makes them anxious so instead of avoiding completely maybe what you can do is keep working towards that goal in small steps so of course you don't have to just immediately throw yourself into a situation where you will just panic you can maybe build a ladder like a fear ladder and then start you know exposing yourself to that little by little so that uh, so that slowly you uh, build your confidence and then you feel that okay i can handle this right so um i think if you just kind of take uh, you know uh, this in like take this message that instead of avoiding things maybe i can just break this down into small steps and then keep working towards it um, that is something that will definitely help uh, you in overcoming your anxiety so yeah i think this is uh, more than uh, enough that uh that can help someone who is going through anxiety absolutely i feel so calm and relaxed just hearing about these exercises and uh, i have no doubt that they're going to be very very effective so thank you so much uh, mansi and shabasti for sharing that right from um i love the uh, the line that you mentioned the thoughts are just thoughts they are not facts i think it's so important for us to keep reminding ourselves of that because like you rightly said we often try to predict the future and uh, i love the cooking analogy as well and perceiving the five senses and um, i have seen this uh, affect a lot of people of all ages everybody constantly has this feeling of anxiousness that they're not doing enough and uh, it, that could be a child uh, you know wanting to achieve better grades or like someone wanting to work harder and get a better job or literally anything but i think the 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 thing that i hear more than anything else is just i am not doing enough with my life and i think the concept of social media and uh, the pandemic everything is just giving our people a lot of fomo and a lot of uh, feelings of anxiousness that they're not doing enough and um, with the exercises that you mentioned i think people will have to be constantly mindful and think about okay i have to do these exercises I've, it's so ironic that just the 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 concept of breathing has become something that we need to think about and something that we need to like actually set out time for and um, this really makes me wonder about the duality 
of um, actually working towards improving our mental health. Because on the one hand, we are seeing that, yes, there is a huge surge in the amount of mental health Instagram pages or the mental health applications uh, that are on the market. And um, a lot of them will will talk about these exercises. And while this information is incredibly useful and incredibly helpful, it will only be helpful to people who are actually trying it out. What is it that people can do to just be more proactive and find a mental health solution that would help them ease their anxiety in their own way? Because I think to some extent, maybe these solutions and treatments need to be customized. Is there like a one-size-fits-all sort of treatment or is there something that uh, might work for one person and might not work for the other and what are some things that people can do to figure out what might work for them see what you said about the fact that you know people find more uh, peace in say your gaming and you know you're distracted from your problems or your anxiousness so or you're just scrolling on social media maybe that also distracts you and it is an intense emotion you're feeling and you know we need to kind of wait till it comes down so that then we can take a better decision based on that emotion but distraction doesn't help for a very long time this is why you know I had mentioned right about your short-term benefit and your long-term loss if we keep distracting 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 all we're doing is we're escaping right and at the end of the day then we are not handling what is actually going on and this is actually surprising for a lot of people. And I'm sure even us, when we just became psychology students or got into the field, the fact that it's a tedious task, it's actually like working out, right? You can't just go to the gym and then just expect to get muscles on day one. It doesn't work like that, right? You keep going and going and going. Similarly, even with mental health, you turn up and turn up and you don't turn up for anyone else, but for yourself. Because at the end of the day, Any two choices that you take, one choice is continuing in this vicious cycle. The other is breaking it. Either way, it's hard. So it's more like you're picking which hard option you're going for. So yes, it's tedious, but it's essential. Why is it essential? Because these are skills and times are changing. The kind of stress our parents or our grandparents face, it's not the same right now. The kind of things maybe they could have afforded, we can't afford it. Or whatever they experienced, we are experiencing absolutely different levels, right? So the things that work for them, the structure that worked for them, it doesn't work for us. And with time moving on, we also need to know our self-care skills. These things also have to change. Now, Mansi and I gave you a range of things that you can try, which you get in apps, you get it anywhere, right? We have to understand it will not work for everyone. It might work for me. It will not work for my own best friend. So it's more like trial and error. You try one, doesn't work. Okay, try it again. All right, this is just not my cup of tea. Next one. But find yours. Find the thing that works for you. Keeping in mind that are you doing it in a healthy manner so that you can reach your goals or is it going to affect you in the long term? So keeping that in mind. This is it's important. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that was really beautifully summarized. And for sure, I think maintaining a healthy balance and constantly being mindful of whether something is working for us or not is, is so important. And uh, 
yeah i think it's a really good message to put out there so thank you so much fancy and shabosti for the world of knowledge that you have shared with us today and i think this is going to be so beneficial and so useful and i really hope that uh people irrespective of what they're going through what they're facing they find some comfort and uh, this has just been a wonderfully educational session for everyone so thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it thank you so much for giving us this opportunity thank you so much for I calling think... us also just know that for everybody just know you're not alone absolutely not alone so i hope yeah and also the fact that a lot of us are going through anxiousness with this pandemic so let's just be kind to ourselves as much as we can right absolutely. and i think uh, one last thing is that uh, if you are you know struggling through any kind of mental health uh, issues then i think like how shabosi said that know that you're not alone and uh, like you said earlier ananya that it you know it's it takes time for like for us to get from knowing to doing uh because uh, this work is hard like uh, working on your mental health it's exactly how it is uh you know like if you want to like become physically fit or physically healthy uh it it is a process and it it is not like a destination that you reach and then you you stay there forever it's like every day you do a little bit um towards that so that you know gap bridging that gap from like having that knowledge and putting that into practice uh it's difficult so let's just you know first admit that it's not easy but just because something is not easy doesn't mean that you know we shouldn't give it a chance so if you are you know still finding it difficult to apply some of the things uh it's absolutely okay to take professional help to talk to a therapist uh because again they can help you to you know ease that process a little uh so yeah so i think with that note um i'd like to really thank you for uh, like having this talk uh, it it was really fun um to have this conversation hope you enjoyed that episode feel free to reach out to mansi or shabosti at mindatherapist.com or at the rate mindatherapists on instagram for free and confidential crisis resources that can help you or a loved one struggling to cope with stress or anxiety mm-hmm.